This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Molecule. Molecule is reimagining the future of clean air, starting with the air purifier. For $75, $75 off your first order, visit molecule.com and enter the promo code FOOL75. That's M O L E K U L E.com and use the code FOOL75. It's Wednesday, April 24th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio today. For the first time in a long time, for me anyway, Ron <laughs> yes. Gross is in the house. I'm here for Mac, <laughs> more so than for you. Not for me. But I'm here for either of you. I appreciate that. Um, we're going to talk restaurants. We're going to dip into the full mailbag. We're going to start with iRobot. And this is, ladies and gentlemen, the latest lesson in always look past the headline. <laughs> always look past the headline. Because yeah. one of the headlines I saw this morning on iRobot, which is the maker of the Roomba vacuum cleaner, was this. iRobot tops first quarter earnings estimates, ups view on tax gain. Well, that's good. All that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's well, a good yeah, but yeah, but but top line revenue was light, and shares of iRobot are down twenty percent. Yes. So, so this you know, everything that goes up must come down. This has had a fine run. It went public yes. back in in 2005 at 24, reached a high of uh, 130 in late February, and here we we find ourselves a little bit back to earth at 105, but still very respectable. As you say, the big reason for the sell-off was just the fact that they were light on revenue um, as compared to analyst expectations. But overall, it's, it's it was a fine quarter. There's nothing to like freak out about if if you're a fan of iRobot. Domestic revenue up almost seven percent, stronger than expected demand for the high-end i7 and the i7 Plus Roomba models, which I don't have one. You don't have one, do you? No, no, I don't. But they seem pretty cool. Um, interestingly, uh, they were able to get away with price increases that they really had to implement to offset the impact of tariffs. So interesting to see kind of how those tariffs actually flow through a business and and create consequences um, for the consumer. Actually, in this case, um, because of higher prices, international revenues is interesting up twelve percent. Japan, China, Europe, Middle East, and Africa all strong on the i seven i seven plus sales. Um, so really a strong quarter. They continue to invest quite heavily in. In R and D, which is expected, earnings per share up ten percent. But now here's where you need to look through the headline because of that tax increase, uh, tax. I'm sorry, sorry, the tax benefit. That's really the reason we saw a nice increase in profits. If you strip that out and make adjustments, earnings per share were actually down eight percent. So, but again, nothing to panic because they are investing heavily in the business. Overall, I think it's a fine quarter. They reiterated guidance, so that should be an indication to investors. That even though maybe revenue was somewhat light as compared to expectations, the company thinks everything is on track. Earnings per share guidance was actually increased, but again, just because of that tax benefit. So, it sounds like a lot of this was due to the valuation, because, as you said, it's a fine quarter. Yeah, they were a little light. They weren't dramatically light. They weren't. Let's punish the stock to the tune of twenty percent light. Unless you look at this and you say, "Look, this thing is trading at." You know, some insane multiple and it doesn't deserve it. Right. It's actually not. It's only trading around 30, 32 times earnings. So for a high growth company. Well, that's today. Yesterday it was probably <laughs> trading a little higher. Right. A little bit higher. But it's, uh, but it's actually still not that bad. However, even at a 10% earnings growth, giving them the benefit from the taxes, 
that doesn't support a 32 PE. And if you strip that out and you actually see net income contracting, that certainly doesn't uh, support a, a PE that is somewhat significantly higher than the market's overall PE. Um, but it's not one of these crazy, you know, 100, 200 times kind of high tech companies. Um, it's a consumer technology company, um, which which has quite a strong installed base. They do need to keep coming up with better iterations um, because this can get kind of stale and growth will slow over time for sure. Interesting morning for Domino's Pizza. Uh, same store sales for Domino's in the first quarter came in at 3.9 percent. And let's face it, there are a lot of restaurants out there that would love to they have would, yeah, that kind sure, of sure. same store sales growth. However, in the case of Domino's, that's the slowest comp growth they've had in more than five years. What happened this morning that the stock is up nearly 10%? Because this was a good quarter, but this has been such a great operator for so long, I was surprised to see the bump in the stock. So you kind of nailed it on the head right in the question. So folks were concerned about the slowing same store sales growth that is bound to happen over time to almost any restaurant or any retail store. In this particular case, they actually weren't as bad as I think investors and analysts were expecting. You had global retail sales up 4.6%, US same store sales up 3.9 as you mentioned, international same store sales growth up 1.8%, not knocking the cover off the ball but Certainly, still positive. This is the 101st consecutive quarter of international same store sales growth and the 32nd consecutive quarter of US same store sales growth. That's very, very impressive. Um, so, you know, they continue to open up new stores. There's always a concern about cannibalization. If you open too many, you know, it's going to hurt the business. But they have about, they opened their 16,000th store uh, during the quarter. They think they can get to 25,000 globally by 2025. So, still, if they're right, a large growth runway ahead of them. So, you've got, you know, the, the way retail stores or restaurants make money is the combination of, Open more stores and have those same store sales grow. In this case, Domino's continues to do both. They're going to grow their store base by fifty percent in the next six years. That's yeah, their goal. It'll be largely overseas. Um, there's saturation in certain parts of the U.S., but they think they can get that done, um, which they kind of will have to do probably to really support the stock, which is. You know, we're at $295 probably now, a high of $305. So it's a little bit off its high. But, you know, what a run it's had, as we've spoken about many times, going back all the way to revamping their pizza and their menu. But at 30 times earnings, they're going to have to continue to put up those earnings growth, especially when restaurants, kind of the median restaurant multiple right now is more like 24. Um, so they're selling at a premium, which they deserve to do, but they've got to continue to put up the numbers to deserve that. So when Patrick Doyle stepped down as CEO of this company, he had such a phenomenal, I think it was 10 years yeah. he was in the corner office, did such a great job, really turned this business around. And one of the things we said at the time was, well, good luck to whoever comes next, because <laughs> that's a really, really tough, tough. act to yeah, follow. For sure. And Rich Allison comes in as CEO. And he's off to a really great start. And he said something on the call this morning that caught my eye, which was he was being asked about 
delivery, the diff, all the different delivery platforms yep. that are out there. And uh, he said, and I'm quoting here, I don't see any need for us to go onto third-party delivery platforms. It's not clear why I would want to give up the franchisee's margin or data in the business and give it to someone who would ultimately use it against our business. And that's, first of all, good for him. Yeah, agree. That's absolutely the right move for them because they do have not just the installed base of franchises, but the delivery system as well. And I don't want to say they can afford to do that, but they've they've earned the right to do that. And it yeah. really seems like the smart move. Smart move. He's really brought the company into the digital age. The former CEO got the company uh, from a franchisee perspective on the right path, from a menu perspective on the right path. And now the company has done a fantastic job um, digitally, whether it's mobile or online. And now they just have to make sure that the delivery experience is appropriate. Um, you know, make sure that the, those drivers don't get into car accidents, as literally <laughs> was happening a good twenty years ago, because they were had that what was it a fifteen minute or maybe thirty minute thirty minutes guarantee. Or you got to be careful about that, but they they want to make sure that the delivery times are appropriate, that the customer experience is is a strong one, that the ordering experience remains easy. And so far, they're doing all those things. Do you ever order Domino's? Yeah, sure. You know, I think actually Papa John's in my household, not for me, for my son, is more prevalent. Um, they've, as, as we've spoken, have their own issues. Um, Starboard Values attempting to turn those guys around right now. Don't don't sleep on that because Starboard really has a great track record of coming in, especially with restaurants and getting things done. Um, both, you know, I'm a New Yorker. Those pizzas don't necessarily do it for me, but <laughs> but they're both they're both very easy. I do like the thin crust that Domino's offers. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, don't order it that often, but when it, when I do, it's like that's what I go with. Uh, quick shout out to Molecule, which is reimagining the future of clean air, starting with the air purifier. Molecule has introduced a breakthrough science that's finally capable of destroying air pollutants at a molecular level. Their technology has been personally effective and verified by science, but most importantly, it's been tested by real people, including me, and it's amazing. Molecule has given allergy and asthma sufferers around the country an all-new experience. Though they've reinvented the air purifier, Molecule doesn't just collect air pollutants, it destroys them on a molecular level. This includes viruses, bacteria, gaseous chemicals, and mold. So, when you turn on Molecule, you're creating the purest air possible, combating allergy season by destroying allergens in the home. Again. I've used it. It's great. I need this because I suffer very badly from seasonal allergies. It's, it's yeah. I'm it's in. A, it's okay. a pretty remarkable device. Uh, you can get seventy-five dollars off your first order by going to molecule.com. That's m-o-l-e-k-u-l-e.com, and use the promo code fool seventy-five. That's molecule.com. Promo code FOOL75. Our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. Question from Dr. Clifford Rhodes in Maui, Hawaii. Ooh. You know what? Let's just Ooh. let's go. Good for you, Doc. Let's just go hop on a plane. <laughs> we'll answer his question in person. Just, yeah. just because. Um, uh, the good doctor writes: the market is up dramatically, and so are IPO offerings. Is there any historical correlation between market tops and an increase in IPOs? So Correctly, we've had a flood of IPOs, mostly strong ones. Whether it's I don't know Levi's and Pinterest and PagerDuty and Jumia and Lyft, which was good, but not so good. Uh, we've got Uber coming, but I don't think it's really a cause and effect thing. I think what happens is here. So behind the scenes, investment bankers want to take companies public when the time is right and when they will go well. 
That often happens during strong markets, sometimes market bubbles, or in this case, I think late cycle bull markets is what we're seeing. A lot of these companies could have probably gone public last year, but then the markets got real weak in December, and I think some of them were probably put off. And now you see a flood of them trying to get in under the wire. And by the way, investment bankers really like to go to the Hamptons in the summer, so you're not <laughs> going to see a lot of IPOs happen in the summer either. So you want to try to get most of these in either before or after the summer. It's just the way it works. It's just, you know. Um, so, I do think it's probably somewhat of a contrarian indicator when you see investment bankers and companies trying to quickly get their IPOs in because they're fearing that a slowdown could be coming. Now, that could be a reaction to December being just a mess and everyone saying, oh gosh, I'm never going to get my company public. I missed the window. And now that the window's back, we ain't going to miss it this time around. So, you see people flooding the markets. So, we did see reports. Uh at the very end of 2018 and early in 2019, about some of these IPOs that you're talking about being moved up in terms of their timetable, that the front half of 2019 was going to be a bit more loaded than originally scheduled. Um, I will say to to his question, it does make me a little nervous. <laughs> like it's one of those. Like, look, market tops are great. Market. It's great to see your stock at an all-time high. It's great to see the market at new highs. But the combination of market highs and and I understand it. I understand why strategically it makes sense for these companies to go public when they're going. But it does sort of lead me to actively fight against a little bit of nervousness because I so vividly remember 2000. <laughs> I think that's perfectly fair. And what's also interesting is you know when you see these big 50 percent increases on you know day one of these companies, it means the investment bankers are underpricing these IPOs. The investment bankers see the supply and demand for the stock before they price the stock, and sometimes even they'll go higher than the price range indicates by a couple bucks. But they know that they're going to get a huge increase. Uh, on day one, or at least they should know, or perhaps they see softness occasionally as well. Um, so these companies are actually leaving a lot of money on on the uh, on the table um, when they go public, and then after the fact, see a fifty percent pop. It's still good if you're an insider and you own tons of shares, but as far as the company raising as much money as possible, it's not necessarily that great to see a fifty percent pop on day one. But it does. Um, Speak to once again the only reason that stocks go up and down: supply and demand. And there, right now, is still quite a strong demand for these IPOs. Is there an optimal number when a company goes public that makes everybody happy? The investment bankers are happy. The company is happy. They haven't left too much. To, like, is a fifteen percent pop at twenty percent? What is it? Fifteen percent used to be kind of the rule of thumb. You know, fifteen percent discount. Keeps the stock strong. You don't want a stock to break its IPO price um, anytime. You know, shortly thereafter the IPO. That's a, that's a weak job by an investment banker. Hashtag uh, lift. And you'll often see even investment bankers and traders in the market supporting a stock, um, taking buying stock and taking stock into inventory. That is perhaps. Weekly trading because you don't want to be the investment banker who takes a stock public and then see the price break the IPO. Um, so I think 15% is nice. These high tech companies obviously typically, you know, the ones that are strong go up significantly more than that. By the way, you mentioned the 
low that we hit, or maybe not the low, but certainly the Christmas Eve low, <laughs> the volatility in December. Since the Christmas Eve low, S and P 500 up 25 percent. Strongest first quarter in 10 years, and it continues. Um, it's it's wonderful to see. I'm not going to complain. I, I like to see my brokerage account go up as much as the next guy. We know these things don't last forever, and as fools, we should be okay with that because we know that as long as we're long-term buy and hold investors. It always comes back. It always has, anyway. Ron Gross, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>